Hello, I'm Ren Ferguson. I'm one of the ministers here at the Collinsville Troy Church of Christ, and I am glad that you have returned today. If you will be opening up to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and as we left off yesterday, I really wanted to hit on the very last part of verse 5, but we were already over our time, and so decided to go ahead and stop. So we'll hit on that at the beginning uh, today, but then move on to verse 6 and following. If you remember what he's been talking about the past few verses, especially starting in verse 3, is that spiritual warfare. And as he says in verse 5, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, which we talked about yesterday, and take every thought captive to obeying Christ. Whenever I read this verse, I am reminded of what he says in Philippians 1 and verse 21, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For Paul, his life was wholly dedicated to Christ and to God and to doing what they had laid out for him to do and to accomplish this ministry that Christ had, had given him. And so he's saying we wage war against anything, as he discusses at the beginning of verse 5, against anything that boasts itself against God. And they take every thought, every doctrine, every teaching. And I would even think that this extends even to his own life. And that general principle of, of binding everything, and, and I, I mean he describes it so perfectly, taking every thought captive to Christ. Again, every doctrine that is taught, everything that they do, everything that they were teaching and writing to the congregations at Corinth, all of it was done, of course, uh, under the authority of Christ and, of course, in accordance to His will, God being the one inspiring Paul to write this, taking every thought captive to Christ. And he says in verse 6, now this, this kind of circles back to uh, what he was talking about earlier, he starts to circle back to those claims that were laid against him that we talked about in verses 1 and 2. He says, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. So, in verses 1, especially in verse 1, they say that he was is bold in his letters, but in face-to-face, -face, he's humble. They're kind of calling him a coward when he's actually physically present. And he reminds them that he is going to have to correct those that accuse him of walking according to the flesh, as he says at the end of verse 2. He reminds them that they are waging that war against anything that boasts itself against God. And as he says in verse 6, he is ready to punish every disobedience. But he says, and this was... This was uh, interesting to me. He says, when your obedience is complete. And what I think he means by that is, is he is waiting for those in Corinth to make as many of the corrections as they're going to make. He's waiting for whoever is going to repent and for whoever is going to change. He's waiting for them to change. And when the time comes that that there are all of those that would repent, had repent, and there are still those that are living in opposition to God and to Paul and what he, of course, by inspiration laid out for them in these books. 
and they are still living in defiance to that, then he is going to come and he is going to rebuke them. But again, going back to that general idea of what he talks about in verse 2 and what he talks about in chapter 4, or chapter 2 rather, in the first four verses of, of that chapter, he is waiting for them to make those corrections. And he is going to wait as long as he can for as many people to repent. And very similarly, that's exactly what God does with us. If you think about 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, where, where Peter is, is discussing the end of the world, and, and he says there's going to be some people that, in essence, say that God isn't coming, that he's not going to fulfill that promise. And Peter reminds us that God is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is waiting for anyone and everyone who is going to repent and who is going to change. He is having that patience. And very similarly, that's what Paul is doing with this congregation in Corinth. He is waiting for as many of them to repent before he goes and before he corrects the rest of them. He says in verse 7 then, Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is in Christ, let him remind himself that just as he is in Christ, so also are we. Now, the way that the ESV words that at the very beginning of the verse, I think kind of makes, makes it a little bit confusing what he is talking about. I think the New King James makes that a little bit easier to understand. Uh, in the New King James, it's posed more of a question. He says, do you look at this according to the outward appearance? Looking at his life, looking at his actions, looking at these false apostles, these false prophets that had found their way into the church there. And he's saying, are you looking at this just simply by the way it appears? Because looking at it that way, perhaps Paul does seem to be walking according to the flesh. Perhaps he seems to not to be not keeping his word. Perhaps these false prophets seem to be better than Paul in essence. And he's warning them to not just look at the surface level of it, but to dig deeper. And he reminds them in verse 7, if anyone is confident that he is Christ, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ, so also are we. Paul is, is going to be giving them, and he is, he has already given them proof after proof that he is a, an apostle, that he is a minister sent from God. He dealt with that earlier in the book, and he's dealing with it here uh, again, that he is Christ. He doesn't want them to be carried away with these false teachers and these false prophets just simply because of, of their appearance and and you know I think about this for you and I today it can be easy for us to get caught up in the appearance of things even thinking about the literal physical appearance of things we see these these men and women get up on TV on Sundays that have these $10,000 suits that drive $100,000 cars that have their private jets and their $10 million mansions. We see the wealth that they have and sometimes we're more inclined to listen to them 
just because of how great they look. But we don't actually really examine what is being said and what they are actually teaching. And I think that's kind of the idea that Paul is trying to bring out to those in Corinth. To not just simply look at the surface level, but to look at what is true. Test all things, hold fast to that which is good. He wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5. And he's saying don't be led astray by, that, the, by the physical. Because if anyone is confident that he is in Christ, he reminds them that Paul most definitely is. And he gives them proof after proof that he again is that minister sent, uh, sent from, from God. Uh, verse 8 he says, for even if I boast a little too much of our authority. Now what he's saying there is even if he made greater claims than what he has already made, both here as well as earlier in the book, even if he were to boast even more about what God has done through him and the charge that God has given him, he says again, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you. He says, I will not be ashamed. He's saying even if I were to make greater claims and boast more about everything that God has done through me for you, for building you up and for teaching and edifying you, he says I wouldn't be ashamed and what he's talking about there is he would still be right. In essence what he's saying here is he's not even touching the hem of the garment of the proof that he could give to those in Corinth of his ministry and of his work and, and of his being ordained by God, which again he talks about earlier, how that ministry of reconciliation had been given to him. And he's saying, I haven't even I haven't even hit on everything that I could. And even if I were to just go down the list and talk about everything, he said I I, I wouldn't be wrong. I wouldn't be ashamed. There was there there would be no no charge, no sin that anyone could lay against me because all of it would be correct and all of it would be true. And what he's trying to get them to do is really to respect the authority, not his own authority of his own volition, but the authority that God has given him. And that's something, we'll hit on that more later in the chapter. But, but they are in verses 3 through 5 again that spiritual warfare and he brings that back around saying that he is he is going to correct those that need to be corrected and that he is is again trying to prove to them that his ministry was given to him by God uh, but we'll have to stop right there and we'll pick up in verse 9 uh, tomorrow as always, if you have any questions, feel free to comment on the video, uh, leave uh, a message if you want to message us, or perhaps call us if you would like to call and talk to us. Any questions that you have about the, the scriptures, about the church, we would love to answer any of those questions that you might have. But again, please come back tomorrow as we'll pick up in verse 9.